Alright, I want to start out with one of my favorite passages. You know, every time I preach, um, I often say this is my favorite passage. I need to either stop lying or just say one of many. <laughs> Bible's good, alright? A lot of passages are good. Um, Philippians 4.6. I'm going to start there. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. My dad would always say um, to my mom, Mama Raisa, <laughs> why pray when you can worry, you know? <laughs> There's certain people that worry a lot. That's me right there, okay? So today I would like to open up a little bit about my struggle with worry, or I should say anxiety. You know, the word that's thrown a lot these days. Um, but you ever had somebody tell you, just, just don't worry about it, you know? Yeah, just don't worry about it. Said it all the time. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, you can say all you want to me, but if I don't feel like it, say, hey, don't worry about it. You can't just snap out of it. I wish it was that easy, right? It's like, just don't worry about it. I would say, rejoice in the Lord always. Always, always I say rejoice. <laughs> well, what if I don't feel like it? <laughs> I don't know where this is coming from. Pirates of the Caribbean or something. I don't swing in my arm. But you can't just snap out of it. So today, um, I would like to, you know, explain a little bit more about it and just my own personal struggle with it and how the Lord has given me grace to actually overcome. So the, everything that I'm going to share, um, it's not going to be from Dr. Phil, so it's more from Vic's perspective, but through the Word of God, all right? So, but it's something that, for those that don't know, that are fortunate, that don't experience anxiety, I noticed that you know those people that don't worry about it. And you notice they don't have gray hair, too. <laughs> They're just like... They're always relaxed. I have one of my brothers, Peter, and he's one of the older ones, and he's, he doesn't have any gray hair. He's always like, praise God, everything's going to be great, you know. I wish, I wish I could have that. A lot of people wish that. But for those that don't have that, we have, off, we have the Word of God, and we're going to come to that Word of God today, amen? All right. But um, so let's bow in prayer. So, Lord, thank you so much for this time. We thank you, Lord, for your word that's alive, that's powerful, that speaks to us, that cuts to the bone, Lord, to the depths of our hearts. And we surrender, Lord, to you. And we thank you, Lord, for all the good things that you're doing in our lives. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So turn to your neighbor person the next to you and say the title of my message today i'm gonna give anxiety an attack <laughs> so that's the title of my message giving anxiety an attack all right so i want to share actually the two main components uh, of an effective prayer this this whole message is not going to be about anxiety it's going to be about the prayer and i'm talking the power of prayer and what it does in our life all right, so two main components I'm going to talk about to effective prayer. And obviously, you've heard everything around, you know, in the news, and it seems like, you know, research has shown that anxiety is increasing every day, uh, suicide increases, medication increases, and so we live a busy lives. In fact, did you notice that, you know, we're proud of it. 
So, you, you know, you ask anybody lately nowadays, it seems like, hey, how are you doing? You know, I'm busy. It's like just confident, you know, and just like we're proud of our busyness. And, uh, we, you know, just busy, bro. Okay. Nobody, nobody says, you know, oh, just walking in peace, you know, have some time, some margin to fill, to spend time with people that I need to spend time with. But just we're busy. We're nonstop. And um, this busyness, I believe, is contributing to the anxiety. You know, we're just, we have so much going on. And a lot has to do with this, and the research actually points to that, is this little device that we carry in our pockets called cell phone. Yep. <laughs> and because um, your whole world revolves around it, it seems like nowadays. And some people are just like, my precious. You know, you lose a wallet, not a big deal. You know, I can cancel my credit cards. My phone, oh my goodness. My photos, my life, my email, everything. And so, and some of us are crazy enough to check it at night like, are you, are you still there? <laughs> Look over, text, put it back. Bzz, bzz. Okay, let's do it again. And um, so we're nonstop. And the research actually pointing a lot to do with that because of the device that we carry with us. But did you know <laughs> there's an option for sleep mode or also there's a power button if you hold it and um, it will turn off. You know, and I, I use Apple, you know, but <laughs> so I think... You know, it's so interesting when you power off your iPhone, the last thing you see is with Apple with a bite out of it. You know, it's a, a Genesis account right there reminding you that if you're going to keep eating from this tree, you're never going to get satisfied. <laughs> we need the real source, God, amen? All right. But the thing is, you know, yes, people say the research pointing to this device that we carry, um, and we say that we are the most connected generation of all time. But... But would you, yeah, consider that we are very much disconnected, probably more than ever because of that device. But, but we have the power to be connected, um, and we understand that. And this device that we use, and I, I look at it just, I'm, this is, I'm bringing everything from my example. And it's just like you look on something, and somebody does this, and somebody does that. So this little device that we use to compare our lives to others, to always look at things that we don't have. And some people may call it motivation, you know, but honestly, deep inside, it's breaking you apart. I'm not good enough. I'm not as pretty enough. I'm not as good looking. I'm not as fit as they are. And look at their age, you know, and by that age, and they're buff for their age. And you just sit there, and it's just trickling. It's eating at you, and that causes anxiety. That's why I love going on cruise ships, you know, or it used to be, where there's no device, period. It doesn't work. You go there, and it's just like, oh, you're at sea, and you're going to be charged $20 a second, something like that. But then they're smart. You know, I'm surprised cruise ships didn't think about that earlier. Now they're offering packages like, hey, for $400, you can have an unlimited week of Internet access. So now people are walking around enjoying their breeze, ocean breeze with their heads down. I literally see that. And all the kids, and they're like, nee, 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 nee. Um, but, so that changed the only thing that I was kind of excited about. But then you realize, look, I guess I, got, I have to have it. But they're making a ton of money on that. 400 per device, I think. Now they're trying to compete, make it cheaper. But still, to pay additional amount of money to carry more stress with you while you're on the boat. Uh, it does not make sense. But, uh, so I decided to limit my time now with this device and uh, enjoy everything 
that's around me more, especially in Alaska. You know, we got so many beautiful things and mountains and trees around us. But so on this trip, I was like, you know, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to limit. I'm gonna, and I, as the Lord was speaking to me, I started noticing some progress in my heart. And um, I lost my passage here. All right. But anyways, so I felt pretty conquered. You know, I was like, yeah, I got this achieved. This is great. This is going pretty good. But you ever conquered something for one day and you feel like you're, you're the master and all of a sudden you're the specialist in it, you know? You walk around, like somebody goes to the gym, you know, once or twice. And they're walking around, they're like, look at this, look at this generation. They're obese. There's no future. There's no hope. You know, that's just like, Man, you've been there twice, <laughs> and that's it. And you're walking around like all of a sudden you're feeling confident. Well, that's me right there. <laughs> you know, I felt that moment, the short time while I'm without the phone, but then I look around, all of a sudden I'm noticing everybody's head is down, and I'm like, oh. I, but then I was like that too. So, so I observe people's addiction, you know, in the places. Even we, we went with my wife to um, Billy Graham Museum. It was incredible. Oh, it's called Billy Graham Library. And... Uh, it was awesome. It's right by the airport. It's free if you ever fly through Charlotte. Uh, please, you know, get out and spend some time over there. Yeah. It's amazing. And, but I noticed all generations, me and Larissa were the only youngest people there during that time. Maybe because it was, I don't know why specifically during the day. It was all older couples. But all of them, even the older generation, you know, are walking around on their phones. Now, you see young generation always like, nee, 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 nee walking around, at dinner, and then you see the old, and I, I went over there, and I'm looking at the older generation, like, they're taking pictures, just texting, Snapchatting, everything, I'm like, what? This lady's, like, pretty sure she was 72 years old, and she's got a Snapchat, and she's, like, hashtag, I've seen it, like, she has big hashtag, big print on there, and I'm like, <laughs> Billy Graham Museum, you know, it's a little bit slower for them, but they're like, nyah, 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 nyah. you know, but they're, still, they're walking around, busy, 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 got to post, got to share this, otherwise somebody's, you know, and we miss out on this beautiful thing called life, and because uh, we're nonstop, and that's what's causing a lot of our anxiety, but the scripture, I love that in Psalm 46, 10, it says, be still and know that I am God. Yeah. Matthew 6, 6 says, says um, when you pray, go into your room, your quiet place, in other words, right, leave your phone, <laughs> close the door. And pray to your father who's unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. By doing this, we are changing the environment. So we're shutting off the external noise, uh, noise that's distracting us. The noise that never helps us to get still and get quiet. But the thing is, in the quietness is where we discover God's voice. In the quiet zone. There's a reason why that passage is written. But when you pray, you go into your room. Because yeah. good luck praying in all other atmosphere. You know, it's impossible. You got so much happening, you know, and kids and all that stuff. I'm not saying don't abandon your kids. You know, put them to sleep and you can take care of that. Yeah. Take the monitor with you or something. But praise God for that option that we have, that we, have, we can still get in the quiet place. And we don't need to work so hard to get in the presence of God. It's a lot of times it's just the most still, you know, the most simplest thing to do is sometimes even when you go in the shower and you're like, oh, this is great. And you just open up your heart. 
and it feels great. Uh, but check this out. Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything. So say anything. All right. But in every situation, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, say peace, peace. All right. which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I like Paul because he's pretty straightforward and clear. He says, you got a problem? It's called anxiety. Here's the solution. Yeah. Prayer. What's the result of prayer? Peace. Yeah. So the payoff to prayer is peace. So that means anyone, anyone has access to peace. Even us busy ones. Amen? Good news, Whitefields. We got the plug on peace. Prayer. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart. But Vic, you don't know my life. You, know, you don't know my kids. You don't know my husband. You, know, you don't know my boss. You're right. I absolutely don't know. But God does. But when we go to God... We don't get men's peace. We get peace of God. Yes. Another translation says God's peace is illogical. So that means if you have a problem that doesn't make sense, guess what? God has peace that doesn't make sense. You're thinking, how in the world this situation? But if I don't think, if I don't think about this, how am I going to solve it? And you're just walking around and you keep running around, running around in your mind and you can't find peace. But God's right there and says, I'm here. Your problem is not bigger than it seems. Yeah. Amen. I remember um, uh, after one of our tournaments two years ago, and one of our friends, Ollie, you know, we've lost a championship match, second overtime, pretty incredible. You know, after a loss, it's not a great feeling, especially for a man, you know. It's, it's a tough thing to swallow. And, uh, and I remember, I'm like, we have a habit of praying together with the guys regardless. And to gather around, and, and I'm like, guys, let's pray. Let's thank God. And we're like, Lord, thank you so much for this. And, you know, it's pretty emotional. But we got around. We lost. But we're praying. We're thanking God. We're like, Lord, bless the other team. And they're celebrating and everything like that. And after we're done with that prayer, Ollie uh, this kid, and I'm really praying for him right now. I'm going to invite him this week. So if you can remember us in prayer, that's great. Uh, he's just got a, he's got a great heart, you know. He's really funny, but he's, I guess, got some Irish blood. But he's like, hey, Vic. He comes up to me after we're done with prayer. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know what that was. I, I, I'm not a religious man, but that was real, huh? <laughs> I don't know what I'm feeling, but that's real. I'm like, that's right, Ollie. It's real. This is God. And it's so incredible because it, just to hear that even from a person that doesn't have a faith background, just to see what prayer does, it's incredible. So Paul gives us this equation, right? Anxiety divided by prayer equals peace. So if there's one thing that we can walk out away with today is this, this equation. Anxiety divided by prayer equals peace. I'm not saying that you shouldn't see a counselor or a professional. That is absolutely, that's not my <laughs> way of saying anything like that. But what I'm saying is just what the Word of God is saying for us, you know. Some of us just need a vacation, you know. And that's what maybe that's what you need is just to take a vacation and just to relax and just unwind. And watch how much time you spend on your phone too. <laughs> but 
Prayer is our direct line to our Heavenly Father. You know, you hear people say nowadays, oh, prayer is so cliche. Prayer is so old school. You know what? Those people that say that are people that don't pray, that don't experience the power of prayer in their lives. And it's interesting because the prayer, you know, even in 1963, and this was, I always was amazed by that. I didn't know that, but when I came to U.S. and I learned that early on, that in 1963, um, prayer was banned from school. You know, there was a public prayer in the schools. They would pray together. And, uh, but the interesting thing is statistics show that th- there was such a downfall. And it was so evident. And, um, you know, it impacted well-being and the performance of schools dramatically. So, and I saw this picture, and I thought it was interesting because it's a, it, uh, this little girl praying, you know, and saying, God, why are you allowing such things to happen in our school, these mass shootings? And God responding, is because I'm not allowed there anymore. Yeah. You know, it's kinda, it made me think. But I, I'm thinking about the prayer subject, and I'm thinking this is powerful because why is it that a lot of things on performance level, on safety issues in the schools, it started just declining gradually after that. So there is power in prayer, amen? All right. So anytime anxiety comes, pray. Funny how our antidote to anxiety is prayer. We already discovered that right now. Uh, Yet that there's people like us with type A personalities, like me, you know, we're hearing this today, and perhaps you're like, okay, Vic, you know, Thank you for bringing this to my attention. <laughs> I can't wait for the next prayer meeting. I'm going to give anxiety an attack. But the funny thing is that us type A people is that when we start planning, you know, to come to the next prayer meeting, for example, right? And the antidote to our anxiety, which is prayer, you know, that brings us peace, actually starts causing us anxiety. And I'm going to explain that to you. <laughs> Perhaps right now, you know, you're getting anxious, like, hey, I'm going to come to next strategic prayer. By the way, great strategic prayers, and it's powerful, and it's great. So if you ever have time, come. You're going to experience some great, amazing things just in your spirit and your soul. Um, But you're thinking, what if I show up to the next prayer meeting? What if I pray, you know, and nothing happens? And how do you do it? Do you stand up? Do you sit down? (laughs) What if Nancy asked me to pray, and I won't be able to pray up to her standards? Sid knows how to pray. I don't, you know, that's it. I'm anxious. I'm not going. So if you allow those thoughts to trickle down, you won't even get to the prayer because thinking, oh, the prayer is just, it's, 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 it's for a spiritually mature audience only. And it's, it's not. Prayer is accessible to every one of us. People that are new to Christ, people that have been walking with Christ, prayer is accessible to everyone. Even the little children, when they just pray simple prayers, the Lord answers them. The Lord hears that, and he honors that. So we need to relax in the presence of God when we come. We need to shut off our mind, and that's when we come to one and all with God. All right. So I want to show you a few case studies from the Scripture that when fear and anxiety came into their life, um, they prayed and peace resulted. And first component of a successful prayer is honesty. The point of prayer is uh, for relationship with God. Every healthy relationship is built on honesty. Would you agree? God can't heal who you, can't, who you, who you pretend to be. So God is looking for honesty. Once again, God can't heal who you pretend to be. God loves honesty. 
And that is a very vital and crucial thing. When we come to prayer, that component is honesty before God. Think of the deepest relationship, you know, best friends, closest relationships. And um, why are they deep? Why are they deep relationships? My guess is that you have multiple experiences with them. All these experiences showcased different emotions. And in fact, the more they saw a variety of your emotions, the closer your bond gets. Think of the person that makes you laugh the hardest. You know, you're thinking of them right now? Is it Pastor Mark? <laughs> it is for me. Uh, is it your husband with ultimate dad jokes, maybe? I don't know. But think about the person who you celebrate, uh, celebrate the loudest with. Yeah. I'm thinking about them, okay. And then what about a person who you cried most with? Not who made you cry. I want to make sure I identify that. <laughs> who you cry with. All right. Think of a person who you fight best with. Mm. Okay. You know, my wife tends to fit in all those categories. <laughs> but it shouldn't be surprising because, you know, close relationships, you know, you learn so much about each other because you see all of your emotions, all, everything. You see, you, you celebrate together. You get mad at each other, and you make up, and everything like that. So your closest relationship, I wouldn't be surprised if it's going to be some of your significant other, your wife, your husband. But the truth is, honesty produces intimacy. Intimacy. Uh, Larissa, like, every time she knows before I'm about to start crying, I get emotion. I'm not afraid to admit it. Yes. You know, when I went out there and I'm standing in worship, I'm like, this is great. I don't need to worry about leading anything. I can just stand there. And, and I just lost it. I mean, I had tears coming down. I'm like, this is so great. I don't have to worry about it. I'm just praising you, God. And Larissa's like, did you know you were on the screen multiple times? I'm like, sorry. <laughs> Didn't think about that. But um, <laughs> Larissa knows, you know, before I even start crying, like I know if I get emotional or thinking about my mom or there's something... Before I even say anything, before I even start crying, she starts rubbing my back. She's like, yeah. I think it's going to be okay. <laughs> Honesty produces intimacy, and you know each other so well. So, and I made this observation that you can learn about, uh, you can lear, uh, learn a lot about someone's relationship with God by the way they pray. Um, and I want to point out that God is not concerned with your polished prayers, you know beautiful words and stuff like that. God just wants you to be real with him. But you may, I don't know if you have paid attention, but some people that pray differently, you know, and they have their different ways of doing it. But I realized I learned a lot about how they pray is their relationship with God. And They'll be talking normal, like, yeah, hey, yeah, what's going on, everything. Oh, in prayer, all of a sudden, they, oh, I need to pray? Okay, okay. And they're like, dear Heavenly Father, how art thou, thou thouest? I beseech thee according to the brethren and saints of true mighty God. And they just turn into this lingo, and you're like, whoa. It's like, are you reciting the Pledge of Allegiance or what? It's just, <laughs> it's, it is very unique. But, um, and some of us are super relaxed and and, and, you know, chill in real life, and all of a sudden, when they need to pray, they just, um, I feel like they're, you know, they become a little aggressive. And they're like, mm, let's go, God. Let's go, God. And they're just smacking their foot. <laughs> I mean, and they're just stomping, and they're just like, oh, 
In real life, they're not like that, but that's, you know, that, that's how they do it. And then there's somebody that you might, may have met, but they're like little flowy. I don't know if that, that makes sense, but they're like, like, hey, daddy. Oh, and they breathe and stuff like that. But, and for some reason, there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, let's, the, the way we address God is based upon our assessment of him. Okay? That's why when someone prays, you know, God, you know, uh, in such a formal way and things like that, they see him as a boss. Like, oh, how, how, how greatest thou wast, you know. They see him. That's how they assess God. And that's why if somebody that prays like, yeah, we're going to battle. Mm, come on, God. That's because they see him as God as this warlord. And, you know, and those people that pray softly and, you know, it's because they're praying, maybe perhaps they think that the more quiet they are, the more they focus on breathing, yeah. the more spiritual they become. I'm not trying to mock at any of those. I just want to say, well, what I'm trying to say, let's assess God based upon how he is described in the word of God. Amen? And as you address God when you pray, based upon how he's described in the word of God, your faith begins to grow. And your faith comes, you know, comes from here, and here it comes from the Word of God. And the Word of God says He's our Heavenly Father. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's Almighty God. He is God of love and mercy. He's my hope, my rock, my fortress. God is ever-present help in time of need. That's who God is. That's how awesome He is. God isn't concerned with your vocabulary in prayer. He is after your intimacy, your honesty, and when I think of it, you know, a case study, an example of somebody that was honest in prayers, um, I think of David. Because as you read Psalms, you will see that this guy just opens up his heart before God. Yeah, he doesn't, a lot of times he doesn't feel like praising. He's like, he starts talking to himself. He's like, I will say to my soul, soul, why are you so weird and troubled? Rejoice in the Lord. And he, so he wakes himself up. He's talking to himself, but he's transparent. You know, this guy holds nothing back. And maybe, you know, some of us are angry with God. And you actually notice that through Psalms, there was times where David was. And perhaps the problem is that you've been angry with God, something happened in your life. But the problem is that you perhaps never told him that. You never told God. Like, oh my goodness, he's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. Yeah. You don't even know what, the, what those words mean. <laughs> but the thing is, your, your vocabulary doesn't need to be all fancy before God or anything like that. Just as you are, you open up your lips and just what is on your heart, Lord, ah, not feeling good. I'm really angry with this person. And Lord, why did you, where were you when I was in this situation? But the thing is, when you start opening up and when you become honest with God, your prayer begins to change. You begin to start feeling different, different feelings in your heart, and you begin feeling the presence of God coming in your heart because you're honest. There's nothing wrong with questioning God if there's other things. There isn't because that's our language. That's what produces intimacy with God. Amen? Amen. All right, so Scripture says that David was a man after God's heart. And I was drawn to that verse always. I was like, Why? And maybe it's because he wasn't afraid to pour his heart out to God. Read through Psalms. It's incredible. It's just a variety of emotions. There he is. He's just angry. He's like, Lord, smite him. 
kill him. He's mad. He's about his enemies, and he says it like it is, but he comes to God. He doesn't run to his friends. They're like, oh, yeah, 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 interesting. And then they go, and they leave you, and then they start talking about you. Guess what, what he told me? can't believe he's thinking about that. So be careful. Run to God instead, you know, because relationships on earth fail. You think somebody that you've trusted all your life, you pour your heart out to them, and next thing you know, like, whoa, they backstab you, and then next thing you know, somebody else is telling you stuff that you told them in private. But God is a loving father. He's always there to hear. But David, you know, it's amazing that he was such a, you know, of many achievements, of accolades and stuff like that, but yet he also matched with some epic failures in his life. So, and his greatest failure, I think, when it came... um, when men went to war, and David decided to stay back. So one day he's on his balcony when all the men went to war. He looked down and saw this gal bathing. Her name was Bathsheba. You know, it's interesting, Bathsheba. She was taking a bath. Um, he likes what he sees. So he looks, wow, what beautiful woman in there. And um, so he takes her, but... And lust after her ends up getting her pregnant. The problem was that, you know, she was a married woman, so that means he committed adultery, right? An affair. But he didn't, he didn't stop there. You know, he got a little more scandalous with that. But um, so he sent Bathsheba's husband to the war, to the front line, Uriah, where he would surely die. And um, so David now just went from having an affair to being a murderer, so Prophet Nathan comes and he confronts David saying, hey, you know, you might be the most powerful man in, in Israel, but there's no excuse and no one comes higher than God. Nathan actually begins to scold David. You're like, so, but watch how David's prayer in the lowest moment of his life, right? Some of you might be carrying anxiety, you know, from your past mistakes and failures, but check this out. Watch as he repents before God. Psalm 56 have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great commission. Blot out my transgression. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. And he keeps going on and on. I'm going to just skip, just skip through it. Uh, verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will not turn back. So in other words, he's saying, Lord, I will tell my broken story to others. So he's really pouring out to him. Deliver me, Lord. Verse 16, uh, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. In other words, he's saying, I cannot get rid of doing all of this by being a good person, you know, by having good works. I need to align my heart with God. My sacrifice, O God, is broken spirit. Verse 17. A broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. Verse 19, then you will delight in the sacrifice of the righteous. Only after I make my heart right, he's saying before God, is will you consider my sacrifice? And so I can do all I want after I screwed up majorly. And I know that mistake in my life. And I'm like, oh, that really just, that took out a lot out of me. But the thing is, you can be all the good person you want to be. But God is saying, and even David right there in the Old Testament understood, he's like, it's about relationships, about sincere heart before God. Like, Lord, I can do all I want, all the sacrifices. It ain't going to count if my heart is not aligned with you, if I didn't make peace with you. So David's praying an honest prayer. He is repenting of his sins. Don't get me wrong, you know. David, you know, the baby that was born from Bathsheba, 
that baby ended up dying. Yet because of David's honest and sincere prayer of repentance, God later gave him another son named Solomon. And Solomon ended up living probably one of the greatest kings of Israel. Why? Because when anxiety came to David's life, when difficult, low-life moments came into life, he divided it by prayer, and he received peace. And God was able to just take a turn in his life and put him on the right path. I want to also talk about Jabez's prayer. Most don't know um, about Jabez in the Bible. It's because it's hidden within two verses in the Old Testament. First uh, Chronicles 4.9, if you want to write that down. So First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. That's it. That's the story of a guy right there. Check this out. Verse 9. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Okay. Last time I checked, all birth involved pain, right? <laughs> I didn't give birth, but I sure see it <laughs> when my wife is giving birth. So she names him Jab Jabez. Imagine your name is just pain. Hey, pain. Living with that. Imagine living with that name. It, it probably hurt. That was a dad joke. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe that name came in handy, though, when he became a teenager. I don't know. Like, you're such a pain. You know, things like that. Mom, you called it. But watch this, verse 10. Jabez cried out to God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. But imagine, though, from littlest years and memories, knowing that you're not wanted. So we need to be careful how we speak to our children, what we say to our children. They remember that early on. They're little sponges. And so... Here he is, you know, you're a pain, and he's living with that. And I like how Pastor Mark brought up, like he saw some mom in the aisle of the store, right? She's like, get over here, you devil. You're such a devil. Little demon. Little demon. <laughs> yeah. That's not good. Careful what you say, because faith comes from hearing. Kids are listening. But look how that verse ends and says, and God granted his request. That's it. He's like, Lord, help me. I'm honest, but Lord, this is what's going on. Mom called me pain. I don't like it. Yeah. And God is like, and God granted his request. What? That's it. So Jabez cries out with honesty and transparency. And it's not that God didn't know already. It's so many times, like even in the New Testament, Jesus walk around and somebody's like, he comes up to a blind man. Jesus knows that he's blind, and Jesus still asks him, like, what do you want from me? Yeah. I, 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 I want vision. <laughs> so the active part on our part is we have to want it, you know, to receive it. So, and he cries out, and God granted it. That's it. So Jabez took his anxiety, divided it by prayer, and he received peace and blessings. Yeah. Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Humble, uh, knock and the door will be opened to you. I'm not saying that you will instantly receive what you, know, what you ask from God. But I'm, I'm also saying that he might just give it to you. If, if you don't ask, I'm going to take my chances of asking God. I'm not going to sit there. I'm like, hmm, this problem too big for God, too small. I don't know. I don't want to bother him for little things. 
No. A- anything. Absolutely anything. Open up to God. What's on your heart? James chapter 4, 2 and 3. Um, so you do not have because you do not ask, God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. I love this. So God knows your intentions. This shows once again that God loves honesty. And he knows our intentions when he asks God for it, when we come in prayer. And to get to that place of honesty, it's impossible without the second key component, which is number two, my key component to honesty is humility. All right? So the H's today. Honesty, humility. First Peter chapter 5. All of you, clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him. There we go. Because he cares for you. Verse 8. Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Verse 10, and the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while with himself, restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. To him be the power and glory and ever. Amen. I want to focus on verse 6 and 7 because I believe they're very much connected. Check this out. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and says, then he will lift you. So it's a result. We need to humble ourselves. In other words, God is saying, I'm not going to take your anxiety away until you put away the pride that carries it. And I'm going to explain a little bit. At first glimpse, I was like, pride? It has to do with that? Check this out. While you're holding on to the problem, while you're saying, I got this. Nah, I got this. I'm holding on. I know how to resolve this issue. While you're holding on, God is not going to take it away from you. God gives us free choice to decide whether we surrender to him or we hold on to it. You will only go as far as your pride will carry you. Then your pride gets you to the point where you're like, you know, for example, some people are like, I'm going to achieve this. Yeah, I'm, I'm prideful. And like, you know, people are like, yeah, I'm proud of it. I have achieved this. I built this business or something like that. Or something like, oh, this business existed because of me. And you get promoted and then these people get promoted, promoted. And that pride gets you to the point of like, oh, I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, the anxiety sits in, which anxiety is the fruit of pride. Check this out. So, in some ways, you're pretty much trying to control something that is not yours to control. But let's examine the word pride. If you actually write it down, P-R-I-D-E, right? And anxiety. If you write it out, anxiety. I is the center of both of those words. Those are the key components. So that is the root of the problem is the I, I, while I got this, I got this, I got this. No, it's me. I'm good. I'm good, Lord. No, I'm good. You need help with that? No, I'm good. So that's incredible. So the center of the problem is I. When you get to the heart of the matter, it is I, the us. So Peter found out this failure you know, through the lens of an eye pretty quickly because he's actually sharing this. This is so incredible. He himself. Well, pastor, we've been fishing all night. 
You don't know anything about fishing. When Jesus told Peter, hey, cast your nets to the other side. He's like, as if we didn't try it. Well, pastor, if everyone turns your back, Jesus, I'm not turning my back on you. That's what Peter said to Jesus. I got this. While you're holding on, <laughs> you're going to fail. But I'm the best there is. I'm this. I'm that. Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before fall. We've all heard that. We, in fact, perhaps some people think it's not in the scriptures. Actually, it's in Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction. Yeah. The Lord says, if you listen to everything you're telling yourself and creating anxious thoughts in your heart, it's because you have you at the center of it. And so when God finally revealed that to me, because I'm like praying, and as, as I was reading this scripture, anxiety, there's I in there, pride, okay. You, at the beginning, you start out like, yeah, I'm going to get this, I'm going to uh, get this, and I'm going to build it up to this situation. I'm going to become so-and-so-and-so, and then you can't handle it anymore. <laughs> but it's because you have the center, you are at the center of your problem, Devil says, prowling around, like looking for someone to devour in that same scripture. And he uses pride to get to us. Even Jesus, you know, after, when, during the 40-day fast, he went into the uh, desert and he was praying. The devil comes up to me and he starts offering him all these things and the beauties of this world. Yeah. Look who you can become if you just bow to me. Even Jesus was tempted to that. So that's how devil, he's clever, and that's what he uses. He will use anxiety. He will use those things to get to you. He'll use pride to start it, but he'll end you, bring you and lend you in anxiety, and then you're struggling, not knowing what to do. But I can't carry it any longer. I said, Lord, that's it. I am just, I overthink things, and, and I, this is interesting, because prior to, before, you know, preparing a sermon or something, and I'd be like, oh, my goodness. I would feel like a freight train hitting me. And I'm like, I'm going to be sharing a message. Okay, okay. I got to keep up with my standard. I got to use a certain amount of scripture, examples. And I let that get to me. And I was really just stressing out every time I would share. And yesterday, or leading up to this sermon, I said, Lord, if you, which you've been speaking to me, you've revealed this to me, and I'm going to experience the fruit of my own experience today this week and I'm like Lord I'm, I'm gonna sleep on Saturday night and if I don't sleep on Saturday night peacefully I'm not gonna preach on Sunday <laughs> and so guess what I, I slept so well my eyes are still glued I feel like I'm like I'm not gonna worry about it I'm not gonna worry about it I'm not afraid anymore that's from home, <laughs> home alone <laughs> I'm not afraid anymore I'm not I'm gonna be just transparent and honest and humble before God and I'm saying, Lord, have your way. And I, I'm a testament of that experience, what I've experienced, and I'm sharing that with you. So I no longer need to stay up late worrying about the things that God is already working on. I really just started hearing God's voice. And this is beautiful because God has given us this prayer access to all of us, all of us. And we can go there anytime. Back in the day, you know that for somebody to pray or get in the presence of God, they have to bring like lamb and sheep and they have to have sacrifice in order to get to the Holy of Holies. That process is unreal. And people still did that. But it's amazing. After Jesus died, the curtain in the temple was torn. That's an example of God coming out. It's like God is like, 
I'm not going to live behind curtain anymore. I'm going to make it simple. You have access to heaven right where you're at, in, at your workplace, um, wherever you're at. In, while you're driving, you can experience the presence of God through prayer. Two key components, remember, honesty and humility. And when we do that, when you start practicing that, then we can take that and turn it into practice, and it can become a habit. Here's your third age. Daniel, he was example of that in the scripture. If you read the book of Daniel, I'm not going to go there, but I'm going to just quickly touch on it. So Daniel, Daniel regularly prayed, and they were in a different land. You know, they were in exile. And yet, so these people that are um, people that are around the king all of a sudden, I mean, obviously, they noticed that he's a man of prayer. And here he is in the leadership position. They're like, we got to get rid of him somehow. So all of a sudden, they come up to the king, Dar- king Darius, I believe, during that time. And they're like, you're so great. Why don't we have a day for you where we just worship you? And if anyone worships some other god... We're going to throw him in the lion's den. What about that? What do you think? And King Darius at the time sounds yeah, great. Yeah, sounds pretty cool. Yeah. I don't mind getting praised. And so these guys set up this official day, and it's now. But Daniel, Daniel doesn't stop that. Prayer was his habit, and he stuck with it, regularly prayed. And guess what? Obviously, he was spotted. These guys were after him. They saw him praying. They saw Daniel praying. They're like, oh, great. This is what the law says, King. And King was like, "Well, I love Daniel. Daniel's my Daniel's my boy. He's my you know counselor. Daniel was an awesome guy. He had the most wisdom. He's the one that was revealing dreams and things like that." But they're like, "Well, the law's law. You got to get rid of him." And so the king, of course, is going to follow through. So he tossed Daniel uh, into the lion's den. And guess what? The lions didn't do anything. And so the next day, they're like, oh, Daniel's alive. Great. That's amazing. And all of a sudden, the king's like, wait a minute. These guys, you guys did that just for, to get rid of my, the most amazing advisor, Daniel. <laughs> so, so the king goes and tosses these guys. It's just what I've talked about before. Like the enemies, it's ridiculous. Like Tom and Jerry. The devil sets up these traps, and then he runs into it themselves. You know, and over here, these guys who set this whole thing up for Daniel to get rid of Daniel, all of a sudden God is like, yeah, I'm going to use it for my own good. Romans 8, 28, all things work good for those that love God. Amen? Yeah. Amen? All things. That means not all beautiful things. Guess what? So in difficult situations, whatever it is that you're facing right now, and it seems just so hard to comprehend, and you're like, I don't even want to think about it. I'm just going to kind of sweep it under the rug and somehow... Hopefully it will just disappear. It won't. God says, hey, bring it to me in prayer. I love it. And this is what I'm going to end with. Luke uh, 12, 22. Uh, Jesus says to his apples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. And check this out. Consider, uh, verse 24. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more are you valuable than those birds? I love that. And then verse 27, consider how the wild flowers grow. This is Jesus talking. So he's like, look at the birds. Look at the flowers. 
You know, and we're thinking like, God, you want me to look at the flowers and the birds? My situation is a lot more complicated. But just look at them. God's like, hold on, slow down. Be quiet, you know. Be calm, be still. Look at the flowers, look at the birds. They don't worry about it. Uh, anything and God provides them and he's like how much greater are you in the face of God he is there he will help you out but while we're holding on to this problem while we're holding on I got this God's not going to come there and just like rip you out of it he's like hey you do you want to you can come to me you can lay all your burdens at my feet and you can lay it at my feet it's that simple And it's amazing that we have that ability. We have that loving, caring Father who's there, who is there to listen. So you have that access to him through prayer of honesty and humility. You can come, be broken before God, say, Lord, here I am. This is my problem. (laughs) Or this is the list of my problems. But I'm going to surrender it to you starting today. I'm going to take it, my problem, or I'm going to take my anxiety, and I'm going to divide it by prayer, and I'm going to receive my peace. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand up for a prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we are so thankful that you're speaking to us through this word, Lord, and you're asking us to bring it before you. Lord, we surrender you our hearts, our minds. We know that you care for us because that's what it says, Lord. Therefore, lay it out of your because you care for us. Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place, and we thank you for your mighty word. Lord, we know that any time the anxiety will come or any time we're overthinking or we're stressing out, we're going to come to you in prayer with honesty and humility. And we'll lay it at your feet, Lord, and we will receive peace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.